0: You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand.
1: Lock and load. This is Steve Dace.
0: The Steve Dace Show.
2: And greetings. Happy Election Day, which means... Tomorrow, you'll turn on your TV, no more ads. I think regardless of how we vote or whether we vote today, that is something both Americas, the left America and what is left of America can largely praise in unison. That the ads will go away at least until Thursday when the Democratic presidential primary will begin for 2020, which I know, Todd, you are very excited about. I am Steve Dace. We are <laughs> live on the blaze on demand at CRTV. Of course, it is Election Day. We'll have some coverage of Election Day today. There's not much we can say, though, uh, at this point in the day until The returns are in, but uh, we will definitely give you some news here throughout the course of the last couple of hours. We'll have a little pop culture Tuesday as well, where we look at the intersection between culture and conservatism. And there's a debate happening in my favorite sport right now, which I think speaks to a larger cultural problem we'll get into that some fake news or not coming up a little bit later on in this hour don't forget we love to know what you think about what we think 888 3393 is the number 888-900-3393 you can also engage in the in-show chat on our facebook page just look up my name steve dace on facebook and right now we're asking you for your election day predictions and if i could kind of sum up what i've seen so far in the thread <laughs> I, i'm reminded of the of uh, mr t's great line in the best of all the rocky movies rocky three Pain. The forecast for today. Pain. That's the kind of the forecast for today. That's, I think that's a good summation of what we've seen so far in the threat, Todd.
1: I do. I do. I, I think it's a fair assessment of not just the threat, but um, you know, kind of my existential indeed. mood at the moment. In,
2: in, indeed. Yeah. So we'll, we'll delve into some of those things as well. Um, what the results today could mean and why it could be a Pyrrhic victory for either side to win the House of Representatives today. I'm going to discuss that coming up uh, towards the tail end of the program. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can also, we mentioned, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And without further ado, we get you updated on what happened while we were away.
3: What happened while we were away brought to you by The Day Is Finally Here. We here at the Steve Day Show have fought, albeit sometimes imperfectly, over the last two years to give each and every one of you an honest assessment of where we as a people are politically, spiritually, and culturally. And now that Election Day is here, the entire team at the Steve Day Show has collaborated on a statement regarding the midterm elections. I have the great privilege of delivering the following. Our final analysis of the most important election of our lifetimes christians voting their conscience have quite the choice this election day with the two major political parties with the republicans christians had the option of declaring all their beliefs hollow by supporting a party that pays lip service to christians while it's full of lies greed and a hostile pose towards foreigners and a cavalier attitude about war Christians can especially show their hypocrisy by throwing yet more support behind a president who stands anathema to just about every moral standard they've previously claimed to support, while he makes only marginal efforts to show support of faith, though the other day he referred to the second epistle of Corinthians as Corinthians 2, Corinthians Harder. With the Democrats, though, Christians can basically opt for suicide by giving support to a party that is actively against them, having shown they are very willing to make Christians face trial and lose their jobs for holding the same moral beliefs they've held for thousands of years. The only religious belief the Democrats seem to hold dear is that every knee shall bow at the altar of abortion and pay forced tribute. It's a really interesting choice, says Todd Erzin. By supporting the Republicans, I'm giving people further ammunition to dismiss my beliefs as an empty cultural pose. At least they like to pretend to be Christian, though. Well, sometimes it seems like the only thing keeping the Democrats from hunting me down with hunter-seeker drones like from the Terminator is a lack of technology. However the election turns out, though, Steve Dace expresses confidence that Christians will be fine since we ultimately put our faith... In a much higher power than either political party, the Supreme Court. And that's our final analysis for the midterm elections on the Steve Day Show.
2: I want to thank our friends at the Babylon Bee for inspiring Aaron's montage today, which is presented by a brand new partner here for the Steve Day Show live on the Blaze On Demand at CRTV, iTarget Pro. And I know, Aaron, this is a partner you are very excited about.
3: Yeah, uh, I went pheasant hunting with my dad this weekend. Um, and just so you know, the pheasants didn't get the memo. We won't talk about that. But we went uh, we went pheasant hunting. And as we were getting the guns loaded up into the, the truck, I realized, you know, I've been living in the big city for a while. And I haven't really gotten down to my parents as much as I should. And I haven't shot a gun for a you know, a good long while. And that's kind of important, especially for me, because the reason why I actually have a gun is for self-protection and self-defense. And if I'm not accurate and I don't have my skills up, I'm probably more of a danger to myself than anybody else. That's where iTarget Pro comes in. It's great for people like me as well, who don't really want to spend a heck of a lot of money um, going to a gun range, dropping a bunch of money on ammunition iTarget Pro is is great. Now, what it is, it is a system. It's a digital aiming system or a digital uh, target practice system, I guess you could call it. You can uh, get it for your specific caliber of gun. In my case, it's 9 millimeter. You can use your smartphone, and their proprietary app tracks exactly where your shots are landing, It has a little bullet-type thing, and inside that bullet you put into your chamber, it's got a laser inside it. When the hammer strikes that bullet, the laser fires, and then your phone tracks where you hit on a target. It's really, really cool. I'm looking forward to getting mine later this week. Right now, you can save 10% on one of these. It's a great gift. I mean, it's November, and Steve will tell you it's already Christmas season. would make a great gift. Go to itargetpro.com. You can save 10% with the offer code Steve when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, and take your skills to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter itargetpro.com. Offer code Steve, itargetpro.com for more information.
2: Yeah, I don't think folks, particularly Todd, you as a Catholic, fully understand how vital this new partner on the show is for Aaron. As a white uh, millennial, uh, homeschooled evangelical, um, the reality is there are certain requirements here. Uh, and one of them is uh, flannel, uh, even maybe in a July day. Another is some uh, uh, facial growth, um, bourbon, which obviously you that's can't for have. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's, that's for tonight. Yeah, when you're operating, uh, you know, highly developed equipment like this. And the other is a gun. I right? have a gun. Yeah. And I mean, that, you're not taking a gun out for quite a while. I would imagine there was some disappointment expressed by the uh, McIntyre family. I, did, I, didn't tell,
3: I didn't bother to tell my dad.
2: No, nah, in fact, you probably had to do some extra bourbon yeah. uh, to make up for yeah. that. Yes. All right. So uh, right now, again, he mentioned offer code Steve. Offer code Steve gives you 10% off. itargetpro.com. The montage today. We went with this because we kind of just wanted to kind of put things in perspective. Um, and I know... That's going to be very difficult to obtain. I used to be one of those people. I remember when uh, Amy had to spend the night in the hospital uh, early in her pregnancy with Zoe, our youngest daughter. And it was election night 2004. And um, I'm going back and forth um, paranoid that that George W. Bush is going to lose. And that if 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 John Kerry won, we might lose the war in Iraq. We might see a massive government takeover of healthcare. Huge growth in government.
3: Oh wait, good thing
2: we got that. Thank goodness, none
3: of that happened. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I. But I mean, I was like paranoid. I I I literally Amy literally gave me. I was a baby Christian at this time, and Amy literally gave me permission. To leave her for observation overnight so I could go home and monitor the election results. I mean, I'm on my knees praying in the living room. I mean, I'm convinced life is over if John Kerry wins this thing, all right? This is not to say elections have no importance because now I'm kind of getting annoyed with that crowd. You know, there's a there's another group of the legalists that are like if you do vote and take part in the process and try to do something righteous at all. You're wasting uh, your you're time. wasting your time. And um if you're you know, if you do anything other than uh street evangelism, you don't love Jesus crowd. All right. I'm I'm that that group is annoying me now, like the Cheeto Jesus group was annoying me a couple of years ago. So expect for me to begin lashing out at you here in the new year. <laughs> all right. Because these are all false choices. It's not it's not about outcomes it's about priorities if we didn't think this was this was not important at all we wouldn't be doing this or we certainly wouldn't be doing it well because we'd have to fake it a lot we just don't think it's of preeminence we think it's of importance absolutely we do we just don't think it's of preeminence okay and just keep that in mind throughout the course of today and the aftermath. Now let's get to the events of today in particular. So if you're looking for, you know, we're at the kind of analyzing as paralyzing stage as Keith Jackson, the greatest sports and broadcaster of all time used to say. So there's not much to say about data and things of that nature that we don't already know, except this. I want to share with you. Uh, This is from project uh, vote smart. Um. Or Target Smart, I should say. Let me get that right. This is from Target Smart, not Project Vote Smart. Target Smart is the ones who had the analysis of the early voting we talked about last week that showed Republicans actually outpacing Democrats in several key states across the country, which is new, uh, typically because Republicans just, as a tradition, prefer to vote on Election Day, kind of just view that as part of the civic experience and are more reticent about doing early voting. So the same group that had those numbers that were favorable in terms of early voting for Republicans in several key States came out with this, this statistic today. Are you ready for this?
1: Probably not. So if
2: you're, if you're looking for Steve, you know, if you want me to put my expertise of what I've been paid to do, do I have permission to be a little wonky today? Now that it's actually the election today. Okay. So if you, so let me put some of my rusty wonk skills to work. When you see outcomes, that are either greater than the polls predicted or different than what polls predicted. Because remember, we talked about the fact the polls were not wrong in 2016. They were read wrong. They actually provided the framework of the election result we got. And as I've and, and we gave you several examples. And as I've told you for the last two years, the people that were wrong were people like me who took the polling data and then said, that's why this outcome will occur. Okay meaning like a point spread in a football game. All right, the, the, the point spread wasn't wrong, um, that Alabama was a couple of touchdowns f- better than LSU. The people who thought that that meant that LSU could keep it within that margin were the ones that were wrong, the, the, the handicappers, the, the projection people. And the underlying premise of our projections, whether it's me on the right or Nate Silver or uh, the New York Times, upshot on the left, we all made the same mistake which is we assumed that Hillary had an organizational advantage over Donald Trump and that she would take these within-the-margin-for-error uh, in, in polling in uh, these key battleground states and would use that on game day to pick up an extra two or three points, similar to what we saw Barack Obama do to Mitt Romney in 2012, and the exact opposite happened. That while she may or may not have had an organizational edge on Donald Trump, she had an energy deficit to him and left several of her voters at home, like 20,000 black voters in Milwaukee that voted for Obama in 2012 and never showed up to vote in 2016. And that's basically how Donald Trump won, uh, the state of Wisconsin where you came from. All right, so we were the ones that got this wrong. And those are things that that you're. It's hard to 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 have picked up on that, as a as a projection person. So you're looking for data, and then and then there was. It's never about the percentage of white evangelicals that vote, or that the, the Republicans get. The Republicans are whoever. The Republicans could nominate. My phone. Okay. The old phrase of the yellow dog Democrats in the reconstruction days that the Democrats in the South could nominate a yellow dog and win Mississippi. Okay. I mean, the Republicans can literally put anybody up there with an R after his name.
3: Barack Obama is conservative now.
2: Yeah. As, as president. And because of where the Democrats are at and they're open about hostility toward Christianity, that person's going to get 65 to 75% of the white evangelical vote period. Okay. It's about the turnout, not about the percentage Okay, This is something to keep in mind when you're watching exit polls tonight. It is not about the the size of the slice of the pie. It is about the size of the pie. Meaning, if Donald Trump, if the pie is this big of white evangelical voters, and Donald Trump gets 70% of that, would he rather have 70% of a pie that's this big or 65% of a pie that's that big? Which would he rather have?
1: this is your um argument that you've made uh um for for quite some time I mean you you'd, you'd rather have the one that's coming from the very large pie because yes. that means uh it's not yes it's, it's the people who show up to vote it's not the percentage it's the turnout
2: yes uh Hillary Clinton got almost the exact percentage of the black vote that Barack Obama got she just had fewer black people vote she got almost the exact same percentage of Hispanic voters that Barack Obama got. Just fewest, fewer Hispanic people voted. Okay? When you hear stuff like, Trump did better than Romney with black voters by like one point, guys. Like one, literally, like one point. Okay? So it's, it's, it's never, well, I shouldn't say never. It's, it's, it's usually not about the percentage of the demographic that you get. It's about what percentage of the vote that demographic is. And so it wasn't just that Trump got an overwhelming majority of white evangelicals. White evangelicals weren't going to vote for Mitt Romney because he was a Mormon. They voted overwhelmingly for him. But Romney had a problem turning his base out. And so he had lower base turnout in terms of the actual numbers across the board, not in terms of the percentages. So same thing is, is what happened in 2016 is that the turnout of white evangelicals was greater than what the projectionists were overcoming. So when you throw in Hillary Clinton and key battleground states leaving her, some of her vote on the sidelines, and then you see a huge surge of this, um, you know that's, that, that's one of the reasons that Trump way overperformed in Ohio, for example. So you're wondering, is there a demographic that could be undervalued? And this goes to something I said last week, which I poo-pooed, and I may end up eating my words, okay? So last week we talked about how Politico had a, had a had an article out talking to other liberals because they're liberal concerned about Hispanic turnout and that Hispanic turnout was going to be lower than what Democrats had hoped for but they thought they could make up for it with youth turnout and I said that's usually historically that's a bad recipe all right bad recipe
1: because they think like you do but they don't they vote don't like show you, up yeah yeah
2: so here are some numbers these are actual now numbers not projections numbers absentee ballot numbers, millennials, 18 to 29-year-olds, all right? Or is that Generation Z or right on the edge, right, Aaron? Kind of right on the edge of Z, millennials? Uh, That should be millennials. That should
3: be almost all millennials.
2: All right. Here is where the absentee turnout of this age group is compared to where it was in the 2014 midterms, which means these are votes that are already in. Michigan, it's up 120%. Florida, 148%. Montana, 151%. Ohio, 160%. West Virginia, 203%. Arizona, 215%. Minnesota, 313%. Georgia, where you're looking at polling is really close for the governor's race there, 361%. Indiana, 382%. Pennsylvania, 396%. Nevada, 410%, where Dean Heller, a Republican, is trying to hold on there. Uh, Texas, 465%. That'd be your Beto work surge there where he will not win today, but will probably do, you know, maybe lose eight or nine points, which is respectable. Uh, New Jersey, 502%. This is your blue wave within blue States that we've talked about in a state like New Jersey. Okay. Um, so if you were a suburban, looking at these numbers, if you're some suburban moderate Republican in New Jersey trying to win a house seat, I'd be really concerned when I saw a number like that. Uh, Tennessee, which has a very close uh, race right now with Marsha Blackburn and Phil Bredesen uh, for the U.S. Senate. Uh, 663%. Wisconsin, your home state, 808% increase of millennial absentee voters from the 2014 midterms. And then North Dakota, which Republicans have essentially been counting on as a pickup uh, with Heidi Heitkamp, particularly since she voted not to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. You, millennial vote absentee numbers, in, in, according to Target Smart, and if we're going to quote them when they give the Republicans the favorable numbers, we're going to quote them here. North Dakota, millennial votes are up 2,496% from the 2014 midterms. Now, I would say conservatively, and Aaron, as the official re- millennial representative on the show, you can disagree. Sure. But, but, but I would say conservatively, Millennials are about a 60-40 Democratic proposition. So that's very conservative. That's being kind. That's giving you the most benefit of the doubt I possibly
3: could. How big is the pie now, though, compared to 2014?
2: Well, these numbers would make a much bigger difference. And when you start, you've heard some of the analysts talk about we could be looking at the largest midterm turnout, non-presidential election turnout in modern history. These numbers would speak to that. I mean, if I had to to guess, this is probably similar to the youth vote you see in a presidential election. But presidential elections, you know, usually have monstrous turnout compared to midterm elections. So when we're looking at midterm elections, this is the kind of thing that can swing an outcome. This is the kind of thing where the Republicans don't win that could, and I'm just, potentially, could potentially not win that Senate seat in Indiana that they're counting on. This is where, if, if Heidi, if we wake up tomorrow, or we're going to be, we should mention, we're going to be uh, involved in the coverage you're going to see tonight on CRTV. So if you're a CRTV subscriber, we're going to have live coverage on election night there at CRTV.com. Our, our, our friends here at The Blaze will have it as well. All day over at The Blaze will be a part of their coverage. And then since we got to be here anyway covering this, we're just going to put up our Facebook Live on our Facebook page when we all get in here tonight. And you guys can just watch as we are kind of following this casually. It won't be like some organized show, but if it's kind of more of a glorified periscope. If you guys want to tune in as we are giving our, our snarky uh, in real time commentary to what we're seeing. And so if we're sitting here tonight at like 10 o'clock and you're like, how the hell does Heidi Heitkamp survive? This would be the number that would tell you how. Like if she were to eke out a one or 1.5, you know, point win tonight. When everybody has factored in she's going to lose, this would be the kind of number that nobody, you know, kind of had baked into their formula that would kind of speak to that. So uh, let's even say these numbers are 50 percent wrong. That's still this is still there's no way this can be spun as good news for Republicans, I don't think. But what are you guys' thoughts on this?
1: Well, not good news, uh, but. Speaking to your point about uh, how Republicans tend to like to go to the polls, if this is more of a shift than a change and increasingly uh, the religiosity that comes with uh, being a progressive uh, and wanting – uh, to vote as early and often as possible because this is their religion and an in- increasing uh, trend towards the balkanization uh, that you talk about, not wanting to be part of that civic-mindedness, that that shared public square experience. Uh, I, I guess the best argument can that be made along is that this is more of a shift and that just more and more millennial voters are choosing to do things This way, because you are being too conservative. Most of them are progressives, Um, and they wanted to uh, give their uh, yeah Yeah, alms to the pagan
2: god as quickly as possible. I think, but that's also good news for the Democrats, and here's why: even if it's because it shows they're not gonna that these people's votes, which they typically the you know we that's why we talked about this last week as. History has shown for four, for five decades they're now, you can't count on this.
1: They're actually voting. The they're fact not that you have,
2: yeah, I, like, I don't think this is a wave of new voters. That, I agree with you on that. What I think it is, is they're delivering on voters that they have struggled to corral like a herd of cats on election day in the past. They've already got so, them in. That's at the what voter,
1: I mean. At the very least, voter suppression isn't their problem, and mm-hmm. that's going up against a Fox News outlet that is telling you the red wave is coming, and when we have no reason to believe that's the case.
2: What's your view on this, Aaron?
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting, and the reason why I asked immediately what the what the size of the the, the pie was in 2014 is, you know, it, if there were um, not many at all. Uh, millennials that voted in 2014, or that age group that voted in in 2014, if it was a really, really, really no, low number, then 200, 300, 400 um, percent, it's it's a lot. That's still a lot. That's up a lot, obviously. But it's not maybe as much as it sounds like uh, for maybe more reliable demographics that vote. But then once you get, regardless of the number or regardless of the size of the pie in 2014. At least from my vantage point, no matter what the size of the pie was in twenty fourteen, once you get up into the four five six seven eight two thousand percent range, it doesn't matter how big the pie was in twenty fourteen that's a huge uh that's a huge swing um there's there's no way there's no way I don't think you can spin it other than that's that's going to make a difference in one of these races. I don't think you can. I don't think you can say any differently unless there's some secret demographic that Republicans just really, really spoke to over the last um, two plus weeks or so that just decided to get out there and vote. But I don't see that either. Target Smart also has their look at early and absentee combined voting
2: percentages. And again, since those ballots are just being opened today, these are just the party registrations. That were returned, okay, and and obviously it's not hundred percent that if you're a registered Democrat, you voted for all the Democrats, but typically it, it's at least seventy-five to eighty percent. All right, so this is a combination of early voting and uh, absentees. Michigan Republicans have a fourteen point lead. That's an eye, uh, That is an eyebrow raiser. North Dakota Republicans have a sixty-eight to twelve lead. Um, non-party, by the way, oh, it's 47-33-20. Republicans 47, Democrats 33, no party registration 20 in Michigan. North Dakota, 68% Republicans, 12% Democrats,
3: 20% no party. Yes. Uh, just to clarify, and this could be dumb, but just to clarify, is there a difference in vernacular between absentee and early voting?
2: Well, and yes, early voting, the absentee means I'm going to be gone. I applied for an absentee ballot. All right. Early voting means it could mean that. It also could mean I showed up. You, I went, your state has you no know, Iowa. You've been able to vote for like two weeks. Yeah. All right. And I went to the polling place a week and a half ago. So, yeah, so, the, the distinction's not as clear as it used to be. Okay. Because okay? it kind of all gets that. And that's why Project Target Smart here threw them all into one. Okay. All right.
3: Um, but the it, numbers you were saying before about the 18 to 31 year olds, that was abs- absentee.
2: Yeah, those were absentee and, and, this early, is voters. Early, oh, and yeah, early voters. And early yeah, voters. Okay, I missed yeah. that. All right. Okay. This is all absentee and early voter, voters now. New Jersey, Democrats 56%, Republicans 36%, no party 8%. Ohio, Republicans 48%, Democrats 40%, no party 12%. And that's interesting because the Republicans polling in Ohio has been terrible this entire cycle. Uh, Pennsylvania, Republicans, 49 percent. Democrats, 44 percent. No party, 8 percent. That would be a good number for Republicans. Wisconsin, 43 percent Republican, 37 percent Democrat, 20 percent no party. Uh, On the surface, that would appear to be a good number for Republicans, but that's a high volume of no party voters, and they typically break for challengers, not for the party incumbent. Like, I'd feel better if I was Scott Walker and my lead was a few points higher there. West Virginia, 53% Republican, 39% Democrat, 3% no party. And again, remember, both Donald Trump and Mitt Romney in the last two presidential elections won every county in West Virginia and in 2016, Donald Trump won every precinct. So, you guys have any thoughts on those numbers combining all voters now absentee and early in these states?
1: Well, I, I guess, uh, I, I'm, I don't have a tribe anymore, so uh, I- Can I give on
2: thing? Here's a few more. Yeah, a few yeah, more. Please. Okay. Arizona, uh, Republicans plus seven. Florida, Republicans plus one. Georgia, Republicans plus six. Indiana, Republicans plus twenty-one. That's a good number if you want to win a Senate seat there. Montana, Republicans plus 18, where they're trying to pull an upset against the Democrats there. Nevada, Democrats plus four. That's not a good sign for Dean Heller there. Tennessee, Republicans plus 34. That would be it. Like, I'd rather be... Here's what this means. I'd rather be Marsha Blackburn today than Phil Bredesen, is what that means. Meaning I, I've got... I've got fewer people. I have to make sure vote today is what it means. And then in Texas, Republicans are plus 14. So that's more clarity. Go ahead, Todd. I'm i just, sorry.
1: So within that, that's okay. Within the Republican tribe, one of the most things I'm interested about is the degree to which uh, what happens here uh, in terms of the actual election uh, jives with uh, both party affiliation uh, and the polling, the degree to which uh, people uh, want to, continue to be... I just talk about uh, the way progressives, perhaps early voting, and the way they don't want to be part of the shared experience. I don't think many people on the not left Mm -hmm. want to be part of the shared experience in many ways as well. That's what what makes
2: me nervous about the youth voters, and this is why we didn't see the... Two groups that are the least likely to respond to pollsters for different yeah, reasons, yeah. white evangelicals because they don't trust the media, right. and then Aaron's generation because they're on do not call list and mobile phones, and it's it's the hardest to pin them down. Yes, I agree. So
1: I don't that, – that doesn't make me a conspiracy theorist, but I'm glad you reacted that way, Steve. I just uh, – I, I don't think many of us know what we don't know. At this point,
2: if you want to follow some people tonight that give you honest analysis analytically, let me give you two names Chris Steyerwalt at Fox News, yep. and then Sean Trendy and Tom Bevan at Real Clear Politics. Those are three names I'd follow on Twitter tonight for some real news and real analysis instead of spin. Back in a second. Right, back here on election day live on the blaze on demand at crtv this is the steve day show todd and aaron are here with me 888 900 93 is the number 888 900 93 yes it is election day but we still have some regular business to attend to especially on a tuesday with a little segment we like to call fake news or not
0: he goes to race and what better way than to, to give this neo-nazi propaganda
4: do you think there's a chance the united states of 2017 ends up like nazi germany standing at the bar- border like nazis go you hear you hear the media who questions him they are the real enemy of the people and that phrase is from stalin and hitler there's a very slippery slope when you start
3: dehumanizing people this way. It's what the Nazis did.
0: The same type of propaganda that you would have seen in Germany in 1938. If You want a slight check on this man and his unrelenting
4: race to the finish here to make sure he can continue destroying this country. You might want to vote all
2: D. You look at that montage. You guys' reaction to it before I say a word, Todd.
1: Well, um, it's it, it's the essence of why we do the fake news segment. Um, it's But it's well uh, beyond that. It, it This is the definition uh, of what... Uh, propaganda in in fact is. I mean, the left is saying that these, the ultimate propagandists, I mean uh, Hitler, Joseph Goebbels uh, what they did to hoodwink an entire society uh, Progressive is often guilty of deflecting attention to what it's doing by blaming other people uh, mm-hmm. for it. They are the ones who have the most in, in common with the assertion they're making about who, who here in this modern American society is play, uh, playing from the Hitler-Stalin playbook. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I thought um, I, I thought that was uh, I, it was it was actually really subtle. No, oh, it wasn't at all. <laughs> um, that's that's if you're gonna do propaganda, don't insult my intelligence. Make it make it a little bit better. Make it make it a little bit um, less. Uh, he's always a Nazi. He's always a Nazi. He's literally Hitler. He's a Nazi. Nazi. Hitler. Nazi. Hitler. Nazi. Nazi. Stop. Do it better next time. Okay. I, I think. I think this. Uh, I, I think this uh, class of journalism. I think the fourth estate deserves a better brand of propaganda.
1: Do, do Nazis go to uh, funerals at synagogues like yesterday, Steve? Does that happen?
2: Well, you know, a, a pretty good rule of thumb is if you're allowed to say your elected leader. Is a Nazi or a fascist, he's not one because Nazis and fascists don't permit you to say things like that about them. Okay, but let's look at this from their perspective. Who do you, based on the fact this is the messaging they've chosen, and that's, I mean, these networks are doing get out the vote. I mean, the, the key clip in that entire thing there is Mika on MSNBC saying, go out and vote D. This is all done with the intent of creating an election outcome. So tell us then who their audience is, or they believe, I should say. Tell us who they believe their audience is, that this is the messaging they believe will get the outcome they're looking for. What do you you think that says, gentlemen?
3: I... I don't. I don't know. Is that question answerable, Todd? Uh, other than I, and I don't want to say this because it's going to sound straw manny, but I don't know. I don't know what other what other way there is. But it's it's um, it's like the faculty meeting at Cal Berkeley. It's the faculty meeting at uh, choose your liberal uh, leftist institution. It's the it's the boardroom at uh, Disney. It's it's any choose any um progressive institution. That's who they. It's. Heck, it's their newsroom. It's the people behind the camera. Maybe that's their audience. I don't know how to characterize it. Maybe I'm not thinking about this deep enough or hard enough, and maybe I should go in the corner and, and think about it some more. But I don't, I don't know if I can deduce anything other than this is just um, they're basically doing it for themselves. They think themselves are the audience.
2: What I heard yeah. you say, one second, Todd, what I heard you say, Aaron, is this is so out of your jet stream you viewed this as I'm going to use a word here. This is foreign to you. You yeah. can't. You oh, can't. Yeah. You can't resonate with it. Like if if you were on a mission trip in a foreign country, went to the hotel and turned the TV on, it just it 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 it's there's you can't connect with it. It doesn't align with culturally where you're coming from.
3: Yeah, I think I I I, I and I I see where you're going again. Um, I I still would rather liken this to a missionary broadcast in a form in a foreign land mm-hmm. of pagans it's just a very perverted and i'm not saying in the sexual sense it's perverted in the in the literal sense of the word it's a perverted version of christian missions it is we they are in the land of pagans or they are in maybe maybe close to the land of pagans broadcasting into the pagan land of us in middle america and you know those who are not on the left or east coast uh, they view this as a form of evangelism to the, the state. I, I, I said it on Friday. I, I would rather liken it to a perverted form of missions than um, propaganda from one foreign country to another.
1: Oh, Aaron Todd. and I agreed. Uh, about this last week, and we we agree again. There's, uh, you are absolutely right that th- th- they do a job, a great job of not taking for granted in this eleventh hour that they are going to, to win or lose. Uh, so they're out there uh, uh, whip cracking, get out the vote. But it but it isn't because they know. <laughs> who their audience specifically is or what they need. It's just, it is the real religiosity. It's the 11th hour religiosity of what they are at all other times. Mika at all their sense of, of self-importance, their sense of divine appointment yeah. to this calling yeah. that they have called. Journal. Aaron does the broken air quotes so much better than I. I try to aspire to be like him, but I can't. It, it is way- Aaron. It nailed it. It that is way more about them because their audience. Whatever it is, is ultimately uh, about uh, bowing uh, before them. It isn't about genuine freedom. It is accepting and know, shut your hole, know your role, listen to what the smart set has to say and play accordingly. So they don't really know or care ultimately who or what yeah. their audience is yeah. as long as they obey and they are the ones always getting to call the shots
3: yeah and there was there was a guy um yeah, news producer or news caster from ktla out in los angeles last night who tweeted um I, this uh, something to the effect of um for many elections now the exit polls have showed that the more educated you, you <laughs> are the more yep. likely you are to vote democratic I think that lends itself to what I said at, at the very beginning. This, this is just, this is they—they they are broadcasting to themselves. They are broadcasting to themselves while at the same time trying to, um, trying to evangelize as much as possible. I
2: think, though, for the rest, for those of us in what's left of America, we need to understand that if there's any remote sincerity whatsoever. 10%, 20%, 75%, whatever percent you think they are sincere in these Hitler character, characterizations. By implication, they're saying that people like you are sympathetic to this and voted for this. And you should consider therefore that if that's what they think of you. And whatever percentage that is of them that thinks that way, that you will be treated accordingly if they if you if they are given power. See, See, your I last think column, we have by to by
3: yes. Yeah. I think we have to maybe Maybe I'm drawing this analogy out too much. I think we have to draw a line between what, what on their network is evangelism and what on their network, you know, going into all the world and making disciples of the state, and what is singing psalms and hymns to one another, meaning uh, intra, sure. intra. And sure. I think that I think the, the, the Hitler dog whistles, that's the singing psalms and hymns to one another. That's them talking to themselves. I think there are other times, and off the top of my head I can't, can't think of a specific example but I think there's obviously other times where they don't go down that route and they're trying to actually evangelize and try to get people out by not you know um, peeing on them and telling them it's raining but I think there are there's a difference and I think what we just heard there that's that's the singing psalms and hymns to one another and encouraging one another all right let's go to the next clip
0: they are actively engaging yes. in the fear-mongering and the lying and the hatred and the racism. Donald Trump and his erratic behavior could be leading the United States towards World War III, could be leading America towards a nuclear war. You know, we had the nuclear clock uh, when we were all growing up. It, it's probably closer to, to midnight, Mike Barnacle, than any time it's been. Since the Cuban Missile Crisis, Uh,
4: the president and his team are trying to drive up fear and rage uh, when it comes to these migrants coming up from Central America towards the U.S. border with Mexico. Let's turn to North Korea. uh, I mean, it is building up to this sort of doomsday nightmare scenario. The president has fully embraced a dark anti-immigrant message in the hope that stoking fear will motivate voters to reject Democrats. Well, we're gonna have either a hunt in the next three years, or we're gonna have the romanovs The amazing power to destroy this planet that's in the finger of a president of the United States. With president Trump holding rallies all over the country, sinking to new lows with his line and fear-mongering. He sounds deeply troubled. He sounds unhinged. This is why questions about his fitness for office are so urgent. This is the biggest story that I see happening right the now.
0: Presidents, their, their job is to inspire and to bring hope to the American people, sometimes in difficult times. And what this president does is peddle fear. And, uh, the combination of his erratic behavior, his ignorance could pose a profound danger to every single person in this country and literally every inhabitant of the planet Earth.
2: Okay, Grabian put that together. That's a news clip service. They put that montage together. And one thing that Grabian doesn't like is, like us, horse bleep. And they really don't like the idea that um, Trump doesn't get to peddle in fear in this case, but the media does. And if the went the other way, I can promise you from what I've seen as a Grabian client, they'd put out a montage the other way as well. But this goes again to... I I don't know that we even need to explore this further because I think it's another example of the conversation that we just had. All right. All right. Let's go to the next clip.
4: There was once a time when politicians could be shamed away from blatant lies, but that time seems a distant memory. The president paints a picture of Democratic control of Congress that is as nonsensical as it is dystopian with a healthy wallop of racial division, talking about marauding hordes of undocumented Latinos causing the country to become overrun with criminals.
0: Even you in Montana, you're not gonna be able to walk around. You'll be locking those doors, you'll be locking those windows.
4: Right, the president's latest ad is so full of falsehoods, so racially incendiary, not only CNN, but NBC and Facebook and Fox News. Fox News are refusing to air it. Contemplate that for a second. Now, as a purely political matter, it may be that this ploy works in rallying the president's base and saving some House and Senate seats, but Republican officials in Washington are worried about the impact on also serving to rally Democratic voters and turn off swing voters in those key suburban districts. Okay, you guys view that as fake news or not?
2: What do you think?
1: I... I'm I'm totally out on the Jake Tapper as like the last good guy in journalism thing. I, I think I think he's pretty much fake news. I, I think he he found that niche uh, and it's, and, and okay, we, you know, we're, we're starving in general. So somebody throws us a scrap of food. Uh, we take it for a while, but listen, that's nonsense. Uh, I, 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 get the Fox point and, and that can go a long way. Uh, uh, but Fox is kind of been schizophrenic, uh, for quite some time now in terms of, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it's the, uh, party it's the TV station for uh, Republican values while simultaneously um, having its own um, various uh, assault dungeons uh, this is it's just silly instead of taking that commercial on uh, and talking about Kate Steinley and talking about you know you you you've been talking about the Russians and taking over our country uh, when that's probably you know like 10 tech dorks over there who have managed to break into our system System, yet you can't on any level at all talk about uh, our, our borders how porous they obviously have been and what we are going to do when this group gets to the board I mean I that that wasn't serious by Jake on any level
2: i I agree with systemically your criticism of Jake um, and you know I've done this for our audience at the Blaze hasn't heard me talk about this yet I, I don't think Jake Jake Tapper is unbiased I, I think Jake is What Sam Donaldson and Walter Cronkite, what the liberal media was when we were kids, meaning that everything was reported from a liberal vantage point, but they just didn't tolerate horse pucky from Democrats. They weren't they they were professional in what they did. They didn't just give out Democratic talking points like we saw. We had a clip just yesterday of Jake pushing back on Tom Um, Perez, the head of the DNC, and calling him on his calling BS on him. Okay, that's pretty typical of Jake. But he's also a liberal, and that entire report was from a liberal premise. Now, I will also add this. People in Montana aren't at the border. People in Montana aren't going to be able to go out at night because of marauding bands of illegal aliens in, in, in uh, Missoula, in Billings. Do we really believe that?
1: Oh, well, I think isn't that we, the
2: same crap that the left does? The Christians are coming for you, gays. Isn't that another version of that? Isn't Trump peddling in the exact same demagoguery that we just can't stand oh, that, from the I left? I just
1: assumed that we had taken that as a given. I apologize. <laughs> okay. yes. Steve. I apologize. Up, Steve. <laughs> I apologize. But, yeah. So the, we would agree his criticism
2: of Trump in that regard would be valid. We would agree with that? Sure. Yeah, but then— Baked yeah. into the cake, the, though. He yeah. takes
1: that and and uses extrapolates that a as larger just, point that yeah, if you don't
2: want open borders, it's the conversation I had with Heather yesterday when I started off with Heather Timmons from Quartz. If you believe right away, anybody that believes in a in, in not having an open border is a racist. This is going to be a real short conversation, right? Right. Okay. All right. Next clip.
4: Set on Fox News Sunday, there's a narrow path, but this has always been a really tough. Year for the Democrats. The Democrats are defending 26 seats. Republicans are defending only nine. So just do the odds there. The chances the Democrats are going to lose seats are are much greater than the Republicans will. Uh, I, I have to laugh a little bit at the idea that well, if if the election ends up being split that the White House is going to spin it as uh, that Trump is the savior of the Senate. No, he will have lost the House. And there's no way they'll be able to spin it as anything other than that.
2: By that, from Chris Wallace?
1: Oh, they're going to try to spin it, but I think that's yeah, that's a fair spin. I mean, Donald Trump needs to wear it. Well, he 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 should win it if we control the house because he he'll be the primary reason. Uh, I think the house is controlled, but if it's lost, that that is an absolutely fair spin that he needs to put that on his shoulders as well. There wasn't anything hysterical about uh, what Chris Wallace is, and we, you and you've pointed out on the show and rightly so. Chris Wallace has sometimes been prone. Yeah,
2: I'm not a Chris Wallace fan. Yeah, I'm not. Um, Self important to the level of repugnance. If Chris Wallace, you know, we've joked about what our own colognes would be and yours would be smug, his would be repugnance by Chris Wallace. (laughs) Um, And I don't, I actually, I don't think that's fair at all. Um, I I thought Tapper's, you know, criticism of Trump's demagoguery in the clip was fair. I don't think it's fair. I mean, you, you can't, this is the moving goalpost thing. We can't have the Chris Wallace's of the world say to people like you, that are trying to come up with an analysis where republicans can keep the house he's been he wants to he's been dismissing people like you all year long well historically uh, presidents in power lose uh, lose these, uh, this many seats okay and then turn around and if he loses then blame the whole thing on him you know what I'm trying to say which is it that that his, historically this happens no matter who's the president but sure. if it happens to trump it's yeah. it's extra special his fault i don't how does that this is again these people just live in their own bubbles, stuff, and nobody, and no, there's nobody on that panel either with the balls or the brains to question him on that. Well, Chris, all year long you told us they were going to win the house no matter what. Now you're telling us if they do, this is especially because of Trump. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Is it Trump's fault or is or
3: is it history, Aaron? Which one is it? This is the game that they always try to play, though. Uh, this is this this is the game that the media tries to play, and Chris Wallace is no exception to that. Just because he works for Fox, there are very few people. Who actually make an effort to not BS you, and to at the same time um try to just uh be completely honest and not have their bias everybody has bias uh, but chris wallace is just par for the course with journalism nowadays uh, the fact that he works for fox notwithstanding
2: come back hour two here live in the blaze on demand at crtv stay tuned All right, back here on Election Day, live on the blaze, on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace, Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-933-93 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E coming up a little bit later on in this hour. I'm going to lay out why I think it could be bad news for either party to win the House of Representatives tonight. We have some more Uh, early voting actual numbers compared to the 2014 midterms. We shared some of that data in the first hour, both with a surge, a documented surge. These are votes that are already in. A documented surge of millennial votes compared to the 2014 midterms, but also a surge of Republican voters compared to the 2014 midterms. And we're going to take a more holistic view of this in several key states coming up here in just a few minutes. But there's one more clip from fake news or not. We ran out a time that I, I wanted us to play. And I've got a couple different reasons why I want the audience to hear. If you're listening to the podcast later on uh, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, iTunes, or even right now live on the blaze radio, or if you're watching us live on the blaze, or you're going to watch this later today on demand at CRTV. There's a reason why I want you to listen and, or see this clip a couple different reasons. Here it is.
0: That's how you should approach voting this year as a march for your life. It's your future, not mine. But to paraphrase the farmer's insurance guy, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. And to paraphrase the Allstate guy, you're not in good hands. Getting this moment wrong and not participating will be just like your student loan debt. It will haunt you for the rest of your life. (laughs) Getting this moment wrong, you can say goodbye to reproductive rights, to legalized pot, possibly to gay marriage, and definitely to what's left of the environment. If Trump wins, he will cast it as a complete endorsement of his most undemocratic behavior. If you're 18 and that happens you stand a very real chance of not living in a Western-style democracy for part or all of your life.
2: Number one, we're not a democracy, actually. Uh, we are a republic, but there's a, that's a core worldview issue. That's one of the reasons why I wanted us to, to watch and hear that clip, because he's advocating for a form of government that, again, we don't have. The other reason why I wanted us to watch and hear that clip is because we have played some clips in the past couple of years of Bill Maher on this show that have been favorable in that he has been willing to tolerate viewpoints he doesn't always agree with. Um, He has been honest and critically thinking when it comes to political correctness, radical Islam, etc. But just as we are concerned on our show about, hey, Lindsey Graham thinks what happened to Brett Kavanaugh is bad, so we're going to forget his 34% Liberty score at conservative review now, right? We've, we've done a couple of those shows or, or Trey Gowdy pulled down Hillary Clinton's pantsuit on at a Benghazi hearing. So we're going to forget that he sold us out and voted for John Boehner for speaker and never stands up with us on any issue we ever cared about when we took on the system in Congress. Let us also not forget who Bill Maher really is as well. And in that clip, you see it. So, while he may not be a canoe about it, while he he and I've had several of my conservative friends go on that show. I've been invited to be on it several times. I, it just when I was invited on it, I was uh, aligned with Salem Radio Network at the time. And I didn't work for them. I've always owned my own company and and had vendors and worked as a vendor with companies like Salem or the Blaze or Conservative Review, and they decide whether they want to purchase the content or not. But I'm not an employee. But um, Salem, as part of my my relationship with them, requested I not go on there because they didn't think there was really any of their potential audience that could be reached. And they kind of looked at it as um, what Woody Hayes, the old Ohio State football coach, once said about the forward pass. Anytime you go back to pass, three things can happen and two of them are bad. Okay. So there were several different occasions. I remember once I went on a run around the neighborhood and I was on a phone call one-on-one with Mars producer for like 30 minutes as she tried to talk me into doing this, and I was, had no problem with it. It's just Salem didn't want me to. So let us be, just as I don't want our audience gentlemen to forget who Lindsey Graham really is, okay? I also think it is wise that even if Bill Maher is right about a couple of things, and, and I'm perfectly fine aligning with Bill Maher on the couple of things that I agree with him on, let us also not forget fundamentally he believes in a dramatically different America than the kind of stuff we're trying to conserve on shows like this. Thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think that's a, a, an important reminder. I, Bill Maher is actually uh, right in his in his conclusion there. Uh, he just starts from the wrong premise and makes the wrong assumptions. And, is just, it, again, makes the wrong uh, assumptions and starting from the wrong premise. That's a systemic worldview issue just as much as not understanding the difference between small d and large or capital d democracy which he and basically everyone um in left america uh, confuses us with uh, the difference between a, a democracy and a republic but this is again underscoring is is bill maher still a liberal or a leftist i would say still he's he's a liberal because he's at least tolerant of other ideas, um, because a leftist. How many times do you see leftists actually have an open and honest debate, or um, actually push back against per- political correctness? How often do you see a leftist? No, do it's that? their native tongue. By d- yeah, by definition, um, be, you'd never see that happen. So I think Bill Maher is still a liberal, but liberal, um, you know, liberalism is still not necessarily pro-America or in line with the founders' ideals of America. Uh, That's not to say that we endorse the opposite of what Bill Maher is saying there as well, which uh, which would be very, you know, the opposite of what he's saying would be very pro- No, we're just saying that his worldview is diametrically opposite or different than a Judeo-Christian worldview. (laughs)
1: I just wish Bill Maher's lifestyle and his worldview and the the ones that his clapping seals obviously share, I wish they really did have as much to be afraid of uh, as they seem to think they do from Donald Trump and Republicans. I I think – We've shown over and over and over and over again that they, they really don't have to be that afraid. For those of us vote, going out and voting straight-ticket straight, straight ticket Republican or anything like that, most of us acknowledge that they, you know we're just trying to keep hold on to civilization as long as possible until the miracle happens. It's, it, it's not because we think this party is truly a vanguard of change that really threatens what those people stand for. Hmm.
2: Some more early voting numbers. These are actual numbers now. Not projections. And again, this is from Target Smart. They did a survey of several key states with uh, Senate races that are right now considered very competitive. And they looked at, they again put the early and absentee voting all into one pot. Uh, And these are the percentages by party that the vote has increased from the 2014 midterms, okay? So let's go to Arizona where you have the, uh, this is, you know, McSally's a total rhino. Uh, up against uh, cinema, the Democratic Senate candidate there who uh, thought that uh, her former radio co-host was heroic for uh, contemplating joining the Taliban in that clip and some other things that have come out about her. Early voting, absentee voting compared to 2014 in Arizona. Democrats overall are up 78%. Republicans overall are up 57%. Independents in Arizona, no party, up 79%. And absentee and early voting, compared to 2014. Um, here's the thing. Let's say this. Do not assume these are new voters. And we're not making that assumption. We saw that once in with Barack Obama, with the, where he was the first to, to actively his campaign take advantage of social media. Micro targeting was a term that he basically invented, and to get people. That had maybe not voted before or weren't sure they were going to vote Democratic. And the minute he found an issue that he agreed to them on, get them to vote right now. All right. And it's really only been in 2008 that we can document for sure a lot of the early voting numbers were people that might not have otherwise voted. It's more valuable nowadays. Now, I would argue that the early, that the young vote could be people that might not have voted, the stuff we talked about in hour one. You could see a hefty percentage of that there. This speaks to voter interest and intensity, I think more so overall. Okay, Um, Florida, Democrat early voting is up 73% compared to the 2014 midterms. Republicans are up 51%. Independents, no party registrations in Florida, up 89% in early voting. Nonpartisans typically don't get as involved in early voting. So these are... Huge numbers of nonpartisan voters. Georgia, Democrat early voting, up 128% overall compared to 2014. Republicans, up 110% overall. Independents, no party registrations in Georgia, up 237% from 2014. Indiana, Democrat voters, uh, uh, early voting up overall from 2014, 258%. Republicans, 183% compared to 2014. And independents are up 69% in Michigan, where polls have shown a race closing there with Debbie Stab, Stabenow and John James, the black Republican veteran candidate. Uh, early voting for Republicans is up 37% compared to 2014. Democrats are up 30% compared to 2014. So overall, that state doesn't seem to be as as wired in as, uh, as some of these others. Independents, no party registrations in Michigan. Up 10% compared to 2014 in early voting. And then in Montana, Democrat early voting is up 81% compared to 2014. This is a state that Trump won overwhelmingly in 2016, but the, they've had difficulty, similar to Mansion in West Virginia, they have had difficulty putting a a, a serious dent into the Democrat Senate candidates lead There, Uh, Republicans are up 68% in early voting compared to 2014 independents or no party registrations are up 44% compared to 2014 those numbers say anything to you guys at all
3: I'm well I'm trying to digest everything and I want to ask both of you this um, specifically Uh, does it seem to you like there's a lot of conflicting information there as far as the overall trajectory Tell me what what conflict you see. Um, hundreds of percentage points up as far as the millennial voting goes. Uh, yet at the same time, pretty pretty modest to good um, gains for Republicans in early voting, even though Democrats have a lead um, as far as percentage up from twenty fourteen, which twenty fourteen was a good year for Republicans anyway. So mm-hmm. Repo- Democrats have you don't really have anywhere to go, but up. that's a, that's true. Um, yeah. So it just seems like, you know, as far as the young people voting, uh, the millennials voting, and then there's, you know, good numbers for Republicans and early and absentee total numbers, and they're making gains on what they did in 2014, even though Democrats are making uh, percentage wise a bigger gain from a bad year from them in 2014. There just seems to be a lot. I, I just, it's it's hard to make heads or tails of this, and I don't think we're going to be able to do that until. Uh, tonight and I don't I'm not saying that that's what yeah, we're trying to do I, I, yeah, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of con- conflicting uh information. There
2: you're right the the bottom line you said there at the end I mean the voters will have the final say this evening when we start counting all the votes one potential way to reconcile the discrepancy you think you see Aaron is that it's the it's the millennial voters that are the respo- that are responsible for the surge of in democrat early voting meaning if they're the key demographic responsible for the surge in, in Democrat early voting numbers, then I think that that sort of threads the needle of what appears to be conflicting information. If the, if the youth voters are the, are the rationale, the impetus for the, the Democrats improvement. What do you think Todd?
1: Well, in those are not, those increases in independence uh, voting along these lines. I'm really interested if this is something along the lines of the, Uh, the best Republicans can hope for is that this is something along the lines of the reality TV vote that, that uh, Trump drew in people who, for for not for a long time just really weren't interested in politics didn't think it mattered were cynical were lazy combination of all those but uh donald trump uh grabbed him in um as you said steve many times you know yeah they knew donald trump was a real estate guy in new york but what they really knew is that he entertained them in a way that they liked Uh, on television uh, year after year after year. Um, And that number might speak to those people planting their flag.
3: Yeah, and I want to say this as well, and maybe this is um, too tangential, um, but isn't isn't it, um, I I don't remember the exact data point, but isn't the Republican Party losing more voters to um, be registered, not registered, but independents, than the Democratic Party is, so that would maybe bode well. That's if, true in this cycle. That's true. In Heading this, into yeah. twenty
2: fourteen, it was actually the opposite. It was the opposite. So yes. I,
3: it could be that people are coming back home, and that could coming back home. Uh, that could explain the uptick in uh, independent early voting. I I think that's a little bit. That's a. I, I think I'm stretching there a little bit, but it it it's one possibility.
2: Here's the thing: is
3: all of the all of even the most
2: respected polling this whole cycle with Independent voters has been terrible for republicans terrible so the surge of no party early voters is is one of two things or a combination of two things and then it's and then it's a matter of which of what the ratio is. It is either the poor polling among independents Republicans have had all cycle long coming home to roost or. It's your theory. These are the uh, you know the non voters who don't want an America as, um, as with as limited of a government as we do, but hate the uh, uh, the, it, the backlash against political correctness, media double standards, vote that you talk about. Okay, it's that, or it's and which is probably true. It's a combination of the two, those two things. And until we count the votes tonight, Todd, we, we won't know what the ratio of that is. It's, it's, it's probably both. It's probably some percentage of non-party voters who just can't stand Trump's personality and it just grates on them and they just want the drama to end. Uh, And, um, or, and it's, it's, what do you mean you're you're ecstatic that you try to ruin Brett Kavanaugh's life and you wanna turn my you know, my NFL Sunday into a political rally? It's probably a combination of those two blocks and, and I don't think we're gonna know till tonight what the ratio between those two blocks it is.
1: And If this is not a ratio that ultimately uh, benefits Republicans, going back to what we talked about with Donald Trump and what blame he does or doesn't deserve, I mean, whatever hypocrisy you're talking about, Donald Trump is a guy who's constantly overpromising. So if he can't meet that and if he can't MAGA this thing, he deserves some blame. But ultimately, Republicans themselves uh, are going to deserve a a ton of blame again and will be the dumbest last loses for uh, not being able to... Know, to be frustrated about donald trump and whatever happened but to hear still be uh the victims of uh history that you've uh, gone over a long time what h- tends to happen you, you, you republicans will make no claim at all for being in any way a hindrance to uh democrats and it this will be more donald trump's Private little plaything yeah. than ever before, even in loss. Yeah. I think
3: I go. You were going to say something here. And go ahead. Yeah, I think I, I think it's it's interesting uh, reviewing the last five months or so. I think at, there were a couple of points, and maybe even recently, Steve, where you said, um, you know, that whoever's dumbest last loses. Axiom is always correct, except for in one scenario. And that scenario is when the Republicans just walk off the field and won't play the game. Right. And P- Todd pushed back on you every time and said, no, just wait for the Democrats to do their thing. It doesn't matter if Republicans don't want to play. And then the Kavanaugh. So you guys were both correct on that. But at the end of the day, I think in the fi- the real final analysis, not the Babylon B final analysis, but in the real final analysis, if this ends up being a worse than expected night for Republicans, it's still probably going to be better than it was trending about two months ago. But if this turns out to be a worse than uh, expected night for Republicans again, they have nobody to blame but themselves. And well, I think what Todd just said is is right on the money. This is, I think, a key point we
2: should flesh. We need to flesh out a little bit more for the audience. The point you guys just raised: and po- elections are often won more by your ability to accentuate your po- your positives than mitigate your weaknesses. Okay, and. If, if it's similar to any other Mortal combat or uh, sporting contest or competitive endeavor, if, if the game is played on the field of your weaknesses, the reason they're your weaknesses is a lot of times is, first of all, nobody's perfect. And the only one that ever was, we hung him to death on a tree. Okay, so it, it, uh, sometimes they're your weaknesses because you just refuse to change. And then they're your weaknesses because you can't. I mean, we all have weaknesses to the table. Okay. I mean, um, not everybody. There's nobody with a Mensa IQ and and never gets older. And you know what I'm saying. I mean, everybody has some weaknesses. And a lot of times, particularly this is and this is true of men. Men become paranoid more about hiding their weaknesses than asserting their strengths. And, you know, I won't approach a woman because of this or that. Women love confidence. You know, whatever you think you bring to the table she might be interested in, lead with that. Don't walk up there with your hands in your pockets, you know, and uh, trying to figure out, well, how do I cover up my weaknesses? Lead with your strengths. One thing you see in presidential approval polling is, and we saw this, we saw this, a lot in the Obama years, for example. Even when he pursued policies a lot of people disagreed with disagreed with, when he pursued them from a position of strength, meaning he made Boehner and McConnell cave, which was, you know, weekly, his numbers always went up. Strength usually sells. Usually. Not always, but usually. Okay. So how does that work in this election? I've been talking for months about the Republicans have been making a, a, a tactical blunder here. Believing that they could insulate themselves from the backlash against Trump. And no, you can't. You can't do it. The other side's base is already at its most. And now we're getting the early voting numbers that are always a key, intent, a key measure of voter intensity. The early voting numbers line up with what we have surmised. The Democratic potential vote, base of votes is at max lit. There was nothing you could do. Nothing you could do to tone that down. And, you- with, and with all due respect, if you believe, and I, I love Eric Erickson to death. In my opinion, I think he is allowing his position on the immigration issue to shadow his political analysis. And, this is, and I get it because I, I, I have to do this all the time. I have to make sure my principles don't change what I think, the, what, the, what the math is. The president could have literally said all Latinos are terrible people. And we were going to see the exact same early voting numbers. This has been baked into the cake all this time. All this time. That we were at the point of diminishing returns, of of turning up the other side's base with a backlash vote. I firmly believe that. The time to have the conversation about changing the president's persona and mitigating how it, how it inspires the Democratic base was like in June of 2017. That, that ship is long. Once we got into this election, once we got hardcore, once the calendar turned to 2018, gone. We're, that ship has sailed now. So stop trying to insulate yourself from the backlash of the Democratic base. The way you insulate yourself from the backlash of the Democratic base you know, LSU did this to Alabama Saturday. Well, we're not going to let them score as many points. And you didn't. You still lost by 30 points. You lost by 30 points differently than you were probably than other teams have. Other teams have lost by 30 points to Alabama, 55 to, uh, to 25. So congratulations, you didn't let them 50-burger you on your home field. That's great. You still lost by the same spread everybody else has lost to them by. You still lost by 29 points. So, I mean, are you happier that you lost 29 to nothing? Do you, if you're an LSU fan, you're like, well, you know, we can get, are you happier that it's 29 nothing or 55 25? Or are you just pissed that you lost by 30?
1: What are you? I think I'm pissed. I'm pissed that
2: you 30. lost by 30. So LSU needed to score more points. Okay. They were never going to get Alabama into a game of 14 10. That was never going to happen. And the idea that they thought their game plan could force that is just, you have to live in the world as it is. Similarly here, we'd all like Donald Trump not to say stuff like telling people in Montana that they're going to be threatened by marauding bands of Latinos and Billings. We'd all love that. Wouldn't you love that? I'd love it, man. I'd love it if he was a better human being, and I'd love it too if the fact that I can do 52 sit-ups in a minute somehow meant that this spare tire would go away. There's a lot of things I'd love to be true, but we have to live in the world as it is. You can't change Donald Trump. And so what you have to do is recognize you're not God. You're not the Holy Spirit. You can't change him. It is what it is. And so maybe you wouldn't want him on your team. I wouldn't want him on mine. I did everything I could not to have him on my team. Again, but I, couldn't, I can't change outcomes. Once the outcome is decided, I can't change it. I'm not God. Can't retcon things. So now that he's on your team, if you're a Republican, you have to recognize, therefore, all right, this is who our quarterback is. You have to devise a game plan to his strengths and, and, of, and, and, and to play to those. And they didn't. They played to his weaknesses the whole cycle. And, and, and they did it believing they could insulate themselves from the backlash against Trump. And they, and,
3: and they totally turned off Trump's base in the same process. Yeah. This, this is, uh, again, why the Republican Party deserves Donald Trump. He is the perfect, perfect president or leader for them. Because you embrace him at your own peril, and you turn your back on him at your own peril. It,
2: it, w- we were heading to the potential of a wave until Brett Kavanaugh. What, what creates a wave when the other sides at masks lit your side is at permanent depression and independence are totally turned off by the whole thing and go with the challenger party. And this is where people say to Rick Santorum on election day, we're well, going to lose anyway. And I, I'm pissed that you went with Arlen Specter over over, um, you know, uh, Pat Toomey. So instead of losing by five, man, you're losing by 17. Screw you, Rick. And that's what happened to him exactly on election day in 2006. We were headed there until Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh woke the Republican base up and people were reminded, dude, these people hate our guts. They, will, they think they can literally just destroy somebody's life to win. We can't abide that. All right, so when the energy gap was about right here, pre-Kavanaugh, it got to about right here. Now, the, the, But that, that doesn't close the sale, though. To close the sale, the Republicans need to play the game. What did they do after Brett Kavanaugh? What did they do?
3: Nothing. They went home.
2: They went home. What they should have done instead is they should have put up legislation to make the tax cuts permanent. They should have put up legislation to build a wall, even if they hated it, make the Democrats vote against it. They should have gone and found every federal conservative, the most conservative federal circuit court nominees they could that were the most right wing and and tried to push them through to generate more of that Democratic response. They didn't do any of that. They went
1: home. Instead, as you pointed out, not only that, but the the hero of the moment, the the new in vogue uh, conservative Lindsey Graham, he actually said, "We need more DACA."
2: Yeah, I mean, de- I mean, Lindsey Graham's out talking today about the Brett Kavanaugh thing. That was a month and a half ago, and in this news cycle, Cavanaugh? that yeah. was twenty years ago, man. Okay, and the fact that Lindsey Graham has still got to go with the Brett Kavanaugh card from four or five weeks ago tells you they didn't do a damn thing for the last four to five weeks, and. They didn't repeal Obamacare. They didn't secure the border. They didn't build a wall. They didn't protect religious freedom at a statute level. They didn't defund Planned Parenthood. See, and that's what happens. See, the, in, the reason you're an independent usually is, you, is sometimes it, it's, it's not it, – these aren't the independents in the 80s or 90s. Well, you know, I just I'm kind of a middle of a rotor. No, most independents nowadays are people who just hate both sides and don't want to belong to them. And the thing that turns them off the most is the pissing contest. The urination contest. That's why the liberal media has been baiting Trump into making it about his persona this whole time. They're trying to either turn independents off or turn him Democrat against the president's persona. How do you counteract that? Accomplishments. And the reality is the Republican Congress has very few. Then and, and And that's why go on conservative Twitter today. And the argument to vote Republican today is based on who the Democrats are. That's not the position you want to be in when you're the party in power. That's the position you want to be in when you're the party out of power. Vote against Obama. He's a Marxist. Vote against Trump. He's Hitler. You don't, if, you're, if you're the party in power making arguments on a negative, that's not a position of strength. Now, I say that acknowledging the Democrats are the most out of the mainstream, culturally political, major political party in American history. So, normally attempting to do that as a majority party means you're going to get crushed. I think the Republicans have at least a puncher's chance to not get crushed and maybe even win some things tonight because of how out of the mainstream the Democrats are. But you are never in a position of strength when you are the party in power and you're arguing from a negative about who the, about who the opposition is as opposed, imagine a shareholder meeting and the current CEO comes in and says, keep me in charge because the other guys are bad and doesn't show you the projections of what he's actually done. Is that a position of strength in that shareholder meeting? No, no. I bet that's the argument that's being made on conservative Twitter today in the last few days. And the Republicans only have themselves to blame for it. Instead of trying to insulate themselves from Trump or thread a needle, they should have just kept their promises. And they probably wouldn't be in the position they're in today, or at least be in a stronger one than they're in right now. I want to clarify what i was talking about a second ago uh with uh eric erickson at the resurgent whom i i love eric to death um, he's actually in my new book uh truth bombs and it comes out in january why i don't agree with his contention and i feel sometimes i i I gotta pick my spots but i know a lot of you watching us live on the blaze or listening on demand at crtv follow a lot of the same people and so when a certain narrative or something or 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 analysis is is out there um sometimes I feel like maybe we should address it. Sometimes we should not. Here's why I don't believe the president's position on ending birthright citizenship will have any direct outcome on the result tonight, but it could potentially have a direct an indirect one. Okay. But he's not arguing for that. He's arguing for a direct one. Here's why I don't believe it'll have a direct outcome at all. We've talked before about show me the voter who is this person. Right. Like, show me the voter who examples we've used in the past. Show me the voter who gets up on election day and is like, man, I've really, really been sweating this out. Did Trump collude with Putin to steal the election from Hillary or not? And, you know, I've looked at it from all sides and I'm just, I mean, I'm, I've come to the end of things. I got to make a choice. And I, yeah, I kind of think, you know, Das Donya friends. I'm, Yeah, he's a Russian student. That, that voter doesn't exist. Over 100 million people are going to vote today. Not one of them, I promise. Not one of them is that voter. I just, accept. anybody voting on Russian collusion had already made up their mind nine months ago, right? Similarly, there's no one else, there's no one voting on, you know, I've really been on, you know, the fence about, you know, whether I like Donald Trump or not. Um, and, you know, uh, the Pocahontas thing just sold me. I, I just loved the guy, and I really wasn't sure. And so that person doesn't exist. Nobody just made up their mind about whether they think Pocahontas is offensive or not. Okay? You either, again, everybody voting on that already voted. On the birthright citizenship, anybody, there's nobody today, nobody, who's going to be like, man, I don't know. Is Trump Hitler? Is he a racist? Is he a fascist? You know, tomato, tomato. I'm kind of weighing it. Nobody's Harvey Two-Face in it. No? And then they're like, you know what, man? I wasn't sure if Nicole Wallace or Mika at MSNBC, who are they again? I wasn't sure if they were right that Trump's a racist, fascist Nazi. But now that he wants to end birthright citizenship, which I don't know what it is. I can't spell it. And I had to freaking Google it because I'm I'm a moron probably. Um, Now that he wants to end birthright citizenship, you're right. Dude's got to go and, uh, you know, See, it wouldn't want to be it. these are, these voters don't exist. Now I, I could make an argument that it indirectly is a loser. If you believe that it got him off of the offense on the immigration issue, meaning he was on the offense and we need to secure the border. And then the minute he asserted a specific policy, he now has to defend it just by the nature of the argument. And that got him off of offense on the issue on the defensive you get, then it forces a bunch of the squishy Republicans like Paul Ryan, to, your buddy from Wisconsin, there to come out and undermine him. If you want to, but I don't think that's the argument Eric's making. Okay, like I don't think the issue is a loser directly. I don't think it'll impact the outcome tonight at all. Not at all. Nope. I if you want to argue that it got him off his winning message, I, I could see that. You bet. You know, if you want to argue that he should have just stuck with the economy, I'm okay with that too. I'm perfectly fine with that. But I don't believe the idea that we, are, we will actually enforce the original wording of the Constitution. Anybody who's offended at that, I know there's millions of Americans that don't want to do that. Uh, guys, I kind of think they were all voting D tonight regardless, right? I mean, if, if you think Trump's uh, ending of birthright citizenship is a bridge too far, you thought Trump went, a, you thought Trump went too far like on Valentine's Day of 2017, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. I don't, think that, I don't think that's changing anything. I don't indirectly. It could if Republicans sound squishy, which many of them have, and they turn off their base. But again, that goes to the conversation we were having last segment.
1: That's the exact. Okay.
2: You know, the Republicans have tried to make Donald Trump into something. He's not, if you have an option quarterback, don't have him do five-step drops in a pro style attack. If you have, if you have a dual threat quarterback, open up the offense and let him use his talents and skills. If you have a quarterback who's not a great runner, don't run the zone read. Cater the offense to the talent that you have. If Donald, Donald, the people selected Donald Trump to be your quarterback, then you have no power to change that. So you need, you need, your job is to construct a game plan that uses his strengths. And his, here's his number one, this is Trump's number one strength, number one strength. The ability to blow up media narratives is his number one strength. Now he is going to blow up media narratives. He might blow off his own hand while doing it, you know. He might go Elvis on the toilet at 5 a.m. while doing it. We've seen that. Or he may totally annihilate them until we until they cry because we have seen that too, right? So if I know my quarterback's number one strength is to blow up media narratives, I want him to blow up media narratives with the narrative I want, right? Right. Like, there are people in politics I know will backstab me and, and spread rumors. So you know what I do with those people? I always tell them my confidential stuff. Why do you think I do that? Because they're gonna t- I know they're going to talk. I, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not God. I can't make these people credible. I can't make them sane. I don't have that power. So I'm not going to try. Instead, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to acknowledge the world is the way it is up front. I'm going to acknowledge, I know this person's a gadfly. I know they're a big mouth. I know they're a backstabber. I know they're two-faced. So since I know they're going to talk about me behind their back, behind my back, I prefer they do it with the stuff I tell them. So I like stuff to those people all the time. Because I know they're going to talk about me, I want them, regardless of whether I tell them anything or not. So do I want them talking about me with anything I'm telling them or the stuff they just make up? What would you rather have? I'd kind of rather have him talk at least some of the stuff I'm telling him. Yeah. So if this is who Trump is, then give him ammunition to blow up the media narrative with the stuff you want. So would you rather have Trump up there talking about, hey, if you live in Missoula, Montana, uh, uh, you know, uh, don't vote for Pedro because he might end you. You know he's going to do that. You know if you give him nothing constructive, that's what he's going to do. So then why wouldn't you give him something constructive to talk about? But you didn't do that. You didn't. You didn't keep almost any of your promises at all. And so now you're left with what you're left with, and they have no one to blame for this but
3: themselves. The reason why they won't do this, we need to reinforce this. And I just interrupted you. I apologize. You're good. Um, We need to reinforce this. The reason they're not stupid. Republicans are not stupid. Okay, Mitch McConnell, Cocaine Mitch, didn't become Cocaine Mitch um, because he just uh, backed his way into it. Um, just the same way that um, freaking Walter Whites didn't become a meth kingpin just by, whoops, I woke up one day and I'm freaking the one who knocks. No, these people are not stupid. So they re- probably recognize what you're saying Steve. They recognize that as a possibility. The reason why they don't do this is cuz they hate this guy because it's not because it's not for all the reasons that they say he's he's immoral. No. He they hate him because he does stuff like this. They hate him because he's good at blowing up the media narratives. They hate him because he blows up the media narratives. They know that's his strength because he does it for you. He does mm-hmm. it for the people. That's exactly that's right. That's why they hate him. Cuz
2: they really hate you. That's 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 why it's not. They're not dumb. They're not gutless. It's not that they're lazy, Bob. They just don't care. It's what our buddy Chris Pandolfo at conservative review has pointed out. It's not that they don't have any balls. They just don't want to have to do what it will take to win. That was the same problem with Mitt Romney. That's why Mitt Romney didn't eat a chicken sandwich, guys, because the goal of the Mitt Romney campaign uh, was to accomplish a simultaneous task beat Barack Obama but do so without appealing to our base on any level at all so that once we get in there we don't owe them a damn thing and we can banish the conservatives to the kiddie table that was the goal and that's why they weren't willing to do the things we wanted them to do to win because they wanted to win the way they wanted to yep. win and yep. that's who these Republicans are as well
1: if, if your goal was to make me hope that uh, Republicans lose today you're like right there can you close the sale let's what do, do you it. got
2: let's do, do it do <laughs> Well, this is a good segue to what I wanted to close out with here today. Yes. I think whoever wins the House tonight, I don't, and I don't know what the percentage is, but whoever wins the House tonight, their, their odds of winning the presidential election will diminish. And it goes, And now, a couple of disclaimers. Um, we have no idea ultimately what Robert Mueller will or will not come out with. He's been conspicuously quiet for the last couple of months, okay, since Michael Cohen. Uh, he may go away. We may get more uh, Cohen-esque um, you know, kind of indictments. There may be no bombshell. There may be some mixed verdict. We, we, so that's a potential external stimuli that would blow up what I'm about to say, one way or the other, okay? Um, that sort of external stimuli, notwithstanding. Here's why I think whoever wins the House tonight, their odds of winning the presidency go down, assuming the Republicans hold the Senate. The reason why is because nothing in politics right now, nothing's a strong word, but I mean it. Nothing, nothing in electoral, major electoral politics right now is driven by affirmative policy debate. It is all driven by negative personality, tribalistic backlash. And that doesn't mean personality – that doesn't mean, by the way, that the personality of Donald Trump has not given people some valid reasons to just say, he hate me. I'm not – are we, are we going to debate that he's a saint? No. That doesn't mean that the Democrats – we started to show off with this montage pointing out how much you have to compromise your beliefs to, as a Christian to vote Republican these days. On the other hand, though, if you vote for Democrats, you are committing – you're literally – it's active suicide. <laughs> I mean, you're literally handing them the gun to shoot at you. Okay, so it—it's not tri- even though it's tribalistic. In this case, it's not bad to assume that if you have any any veneration, adoration for God's law, the Constitution, the founding principles and and vision of the country, that the Democrats—he hate me. I, I don't think we'd argue that either, right?
1: Nope.
2: So. That's, those are the driving impulses. Whoever wins the House tonight, if, if, if the Republicans hold on to the House, it's going to be by a very slim margin. If the Democrats win the House tonight, it'll be maybe a little bigger margin, but not much bigger. But they, if they don't win the Senate, here's what happens. There will be no affirmative policy debates. If the Democrats win the House tonight by one vote or 25 votes, the debate on their side is going to begin tomorrow about impeaching Donald Trump.
3: And on one side, it's going to be impeach or die. On the other side, it's going to be die or impeach. <laughs> yes.
2: And, and you're going to have at least three Democrats in the Senate running for president, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, and Kamala Harris. And while it is terrible general election politics to try to impeach Trump off of non-existent evidence we have right now in terms of running for president in a Democratic primary, that's gold, Jerry. That was, like, that was like the episode of, of iCarly I watched with my kids last night that made me laugh out loud. And I'm like, this is the best sitcom since Seinfeld. That's how gold that is in Democratic primary presidential politics. And since the networks want it, since the Democratic networks want it, because it's greatest ratings you can imagine, their zeitgeist is going to push this on them. And this will become the nastiest, most divisive debate you can have. All policy debate is out the window. It will literally just be impeach Trump because he's Hitler. And we just got through talking about maximum backlash for Democrats against Republicans in this election cycle. You would, in this scenario, that will turn in 2020. And if there's one thing we know about Donald Trump, ain't nobody straw man better than Donald. The Donald, you do not out straw man the Donald. And if the election is about a straw man, dude is going to win. It's just going to be a matter of the margin. Now, if the Republicans hold the House, though, what will happen is McCarthy, within a week, will be voted speaker. There'll be no national debate or fight. Jordan will have a very strong base. Um, they won't be able to get anything done. And... That will allow the Democrats to, to get what they really want. See, what both parties want more than anything. And the Republicans want this a little more than the Democrats because the Democrats believe more in their policy agenda than the Republicans believe in the stuff in their platform. But invariably, they both want the same thing, which is the most amount of power with the least amount of accountability to act on. it. And, you know, the last two years, how we saw the Republicans not basically do a damn thing, now now cut the House margin they have in half. Tell me what gets done now. What do you think gets done? That is your answer.
3: Negative. answers.
2: Nothing. Yeah, nothing. And the Democrats then, they get to, what will happen is they can now all argue Trump should have been impeached, which will give them the max lit for their base, but it won't backlash the other side's base nearly as much because they couldn't have the power to act on it. And that's really what everybody wants. Everybody wants the talking point that drives out their base without having to actually do anything with it when they're in office. Like 50 show votes to end Obamacare for six years, and then suddenly when they have all the votes and power to do so, "Ah, sorry guys, sucks to be you, we can't get it done. That's what impeach Trump will be to the Democrats. Impeach Trump is an issue, is a winner for them if they're out of power. Politically, it's it's a net gain. If they're in any power politically, it is absolutely a net loss. And then we know the Republicans can't govern. We know that. They're incapable of governing. They can't put a governing coalition together because there's not a, they're not a conservative party. They're the not-left party. And some people want the Chamber of Commerce to get the money. Some people want the money to go back to you and me. Uh, they can't govern. And they won't govern any better with a 9- or 10-seat majority than they are right now with a, what is it, about a 35-seat majority or 25-seat majority or something like that they have? So that's why I believe, barring an external stimuli like you know whatever Mueller's ultimate verdict is, I think whoever wins the House tonight, their odds of winning the presidential election in twenty twenty are diminished. I don't know by how much, but at least somewhat. Your thoughts, gentlemen?
3: Completely agree. Um, that both both of these uh, both of these parties are um, absolute farce. Well. I won't I won't say that about the Democrats, because if they had control of all three branches, uh, which they obviously don't um, right now, if they had control of all three uh, branches, we'd see more um, uh, sea change shifts. We'd see much more uh, cataclysmic shifts in American policy like we did um, under under Barack Obama the first few years of his of his presidency. As far as the Republicans go, that's never going to happen. That's these these big shifts for their base that they want to really advance whatever ideology they have in their own platform. That's never going to happen with Republicans because they're just the other side of of the Democrat, the progressive coin. They just don't – they don't agree with you. They, they don't like you if you're conservative. They don't agree with you. They are not one of you. So they're never going to advance anything that has anything to do with you. Um they're Democrats, though. They, they they really believe the crap that's coming out of their mouth. It's just going to be in this particular circumstance, the only thing that their base wants is blood, and they don't necessarily know if they want that yet.
1: What do you think, Todd? We just need to put the over-under right now on um, how long it's going to take me for crack, to crack based on your mention of the term 2020 uh, after today. Um, it, if
2: Democrats it, have a good night, 2020 Democratic primary begins at 1215 eastern if they have a mediocre or bad night it begins at 12:30 eastern
1: i i i there is peace to be found following this election if you look for it in the the right place no no matter what happens i i genuinely do want to know uh, I mean, this this is very much the other side of the coin of 2016. Like, what what was that? It, it was, and I think Aaron just alluded to it. Was it in any way, shape, or form a cracking of the status quo? Uh, if this in any way says that it was, that that continues to be a good thing because the status quo across the board is something, uh, if it further entrenches itself, it, even with Donald Trump involved, it leads to, you to what Steve just got done talking of, about where uh, losers are winners, winners are losers, where you can only analyze uh, uh, the political uh, playing field according to that level of bizarre world triangulation instead of anything edifying, as, as Steve also Got uh done dying, uh, diagnosing you, you you constantly if you constantly have to obsess about the worst angels of our nature to figure out what is going on that's a game that sooner or later needs to be blown up
2: that's why it's revival or nothing that's our official show position because of that what you just said all right don't forget live facebook live tonight during the election returns until then john three seventeen.